Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. My parents' marriage was, in fact, a marriage I would not recommend now, in the sense that my father was a lifelong Democrat and my mother is a lifelong Republican, which worked for them. They were married for 60 years happily until my father passed away. I say I wouldn't recommend that now. Things are a little bit more intense, politically speaking, and I've always spoken to, and you know who've been listening for a while, I speak to values and the importance of aligning on core values. And in this political climate, it's a better bet to go with someone who aligns with you. And I only bring this up because it speaks to the topic we're going to address today in a kind of bizarre way, actually. Because growing up, it was my father, the lifelong liberal Democrat, college professor, and jazz musician who taught us kids to question everything, to think critically, and to never trust the establishment. And that, in the 70s and 80s, that was a very liberal position to take. He was the first person to get me to be skeptical of the pharmaceutical corporations, which, again, those of you who've listened for a while know that as a psychologist, I'm not a big fan of diagnosing every emotional state and then the knee-jerk reaction to medicate. I think there are way better ways to approach this. It was my father, even though he wasn't a baby boomer, He was the generation before that, but he did have some hippie tendencies when it came to wellness. He said that the pharmaceutical companies were in bed with the medical professionals, so he was more prone to go to the health food store. He was on a first-name basis with the health food stores in our neighborhood, and we didn't even have medications in the house. If we got a cold, my dad would give us two vitamin C and a panathenic acid, and we were on our way. No cough syrup, no cold medicine. He was into Chinese herbs, supplements, kind of ahead of his time in that sense. So that was very much indoctrinated into me and really infiltrated my understanding of wellness and health, not just physically, obviously, but emotionally and mentally as well. So I give you this backstory because, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. I've shared these concerns throughout my career, first as a therapist then as a college professor, and now as a podcaster. I've had the honor of interviewing eminent doctors and psychologists on this program. For example, in episode 22, I interviewed psychiatrist Dr. Alan Francis, and he joined me to talk about his book, which was amazing, Saving Normal, An Insider's Revolt Against Out-of-Control Psychiatric Diagnosis, DSM-5, Big Pharma, and the Medicalization of Ordinary Life. Then in episodes 33 and 34, I spoke with psychologist, also a physician, Dr. Leonard Sachs, about diagnostic inflation and medicating children. In episode 122, Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, who is the creator of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, discussed the massive limitations that are inherent to us using a medical model to conceptualize human emotional functioning. And that conversation was based on his new book, Beyond the DSM, toward a process-based alternative for diagnosis and mental health treatment, where Dr. Hayes imagines how we could appreciate the whole person when we are interacting with clients, the whole person, the whole fullness of the human experience, as opposed to labeling ourselves as either sick or well. And then most recently, I spoke with Dr. Diana Lipford in episode 167 about how to treat depression and anxiety without medications. So my concern has always been this. Pharmaceutical corporations are businesses, and businesses need customers. Hence, it behooves pharma for us to be sick, physically and emotionally. And this goes against my philosophy as a psychologist. 
I resonate with a strengths approach to understanding clients. I believe in empowering us all to reach our goals, our dreams, and our highest potential. My dissertation was on identity development, and as one who knows the research on the relationship between cognitions, our thoughts, and our emotional state, I'm concerned that all too often diagnoses limit our potential because we start boxing ourselves in with self-talk like, I have depression or my anxiety, like it's this fixed part of our identity. Bringing it back to today's episode, we've all navigated the last year and a half as best we could. None of us had any experience with a global pandemic before. And none of us could have imagined how it would impact our society, our relationships, and ourselves. And as one whose liberal Democrat father taught me to distrust pharma, it's odd to me that this has become such a left versus right issue. To me, it's always been an issue of bodily autonomy, medical freedom, and civil liberties. As I've stated in this introduction, as a psychologist, I've always presented my concerns about big pharma. But I doubt that I would have devoted a podcast to coronavirus per se and the experimental mRNA gene therapies if our government hadn't tried to mandate this, quote, vaccine. That's when I said, okay, (laughs) enough. And I began to connect with other professionals, holistic doctors, naturopaths, and physicians who dared speak out about other modalities to combat this virus through nutrition, natural immunity, and well-tested medicines that have been around for decades. I don't have to tell you how contentious this topic is. I've already lost people in my community, in this community, people who I consider to be very close and actually had met in real life. It makes me really sad. And full disclosure, like I'm sick to my stomach about it. I hate how divided we've become over this. I'm still confused by it. Again, it was my liberal Democrat father who taught me to live and let live. So in the spirit of true liberalism and freedom of thought and expression, I bring you the second part of my conversation with Dr. Diana Lipford. Trigger warning, we get into all of it. The virus, the jab, and the mandates. And no matter where you stand on these issues, please know I share this conversation in love, as I do all the episodes I share with you. Diana, We connected on another concern that is something that's quite, I I don't even know the words, (laughs) horrifying, I I think would be the word I would go with. And you mentioned, it's a beautiful segue, you mentioned that you're seeing more and more people wanting to step away from the Western model and step into this holistic and what we believe truly to be such an empowering model and approach And yet at the same time, we are now, for the first time in my lifetime, being told by our government that we have to, at least certain, at least some people, Mm -hmm. and maybe more of us as things move forward, I hope not, but that we have to go with a Western medical intervention that has been mislabeled as a vaccine because it's not a vaccine in the traditional sense, like smallpox or polio. It is an mRNA experimental gene therapy. And people are told they must take it. So even people who are trying to explore these alternative approaches, holistic approaches, they're now being told, nope, you have to, must, or else you'll lose your job. And we're seeing this all over the country. And it enrages me on a level that I, it's hard for me to speak. It's hard for me to see straight at times. I don't recognize my country. Also, I'm flabbergasted that there aren't more people enraged. Right. So- our health care and our personal health choices have been politicized, and we are in danger of losing 
our most intimate rights to, you know, our body autonomy. We are on a slippery slope here, and they are setting dangerous precedents. As we speak, the FDA advisory committee, uh, they're reviewing the EUA Pfizer vaccines for children between 5 and 11 years old. There are so many things to be said about this. I, as you, become enraged. I find myself, I can't even hardly speak about it because I have so many emotions that come up. We're not allowed to speak freely about it. Uh, We are so heavily censored. And I feel like I really got into this fight over the children being vaccinated. And then, you know, as this thing started to unravel, here we have adults who are about to lose their livelihoods if they do not take this experimental poison. I call it a poison. You know, what they have to choose between feeding their families or uh, taking a huge risk. And it is a risk. And where there is risk, there must be choice. And these mandates have no place in a free society. None. There were many red flags that went up in 2020. And we started noticing something was wrong when the frontline doctors came out. And doctors like Simone Gold were absolutely deplatformed only for speaking to what they were seeing clinically. You know, I first experienced the censorship on Instagram. I mean, Facebook, they've been horrible about it the whole time, right? They've been horrible. But I had posted a post in early 2020 that Thailand had approved the Asian herb andrographis as a treatment for COVID. Now, I have a lot of experience with andrographis. This is a powerful antiviral herb. I have given this for many things including COVID. And if I dare come out and say that I have treated people with this, I mean, they come down on me like you wouldn't believe. But when I I came across this study, it was really exciting to me because, you know, this, this herb we were using, we had great success with it. And that post, they hit me instantly and removed the post. And I had never had anything removed off of there before. I was like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> right. What's going right. on? Why would they do that? And then you started noticing the takedown of other doctors and people like RFK Jr. from the Children's Health Defense. I uh, really experienced my first go around with the shadow ban, if you will, when I started reposting articles from the Children's Health Defense about a lawsuit that they had filed in Washington, D.C. over kids being vaccinated without parental consent. And not just without their consent, but they didn't even have to tell the parents after the fact. And that is when, like, my hackles came up. I felt like I was just on this mission. And I I started getting fact-checked right and left for everything. But I will say this. However it ended up happening, a great portion of my followers are moms of vaccine-injured children. and. They are a fierce group of women. And I am telling you right now, I just have this connection with these moms. They are a very self-aware and self-educated demographic. And the United States government is going to have a real fight on their hand when they start mandating these vaccines to children in schools. And it's already happening in California. And... There is just this bubbling undercurrent here. This is not going to end well. Oh, I hope it doesn't. Or rather, I hope it doesn't end well for the powers that be. And I hope it ends well for the common man who wants bodily autonomy and freedom as they've understood it as a fundamental, the fundamental value of an American society. That is all it means to be American is freedom. So for Okay, I'm getting I'm getting worked up. <laughs> For Please, someone to yeah. say that my freedom doesn't matter and I have the right to spew my COVID all over people, which is a kind of an approximation of what was uttered recently, I, I don't I don't even recognize that type of leadership right. in the country, the land of the free. Period. Let me. So this is such a massive issue and it hits on so many values. I talk a lot about values with my community and relationships, obviously, but uh, the, 
energy that I feel about it, of course, comes to the value of freedom, as I've been speaking to a moment ago, and you have as well. But let's kind of dial it back a little bit. So for example, I sent a friend who is jabbed, I won't even say vaxxed, because Mm -hmm. it's not a vaccine, who is jabbed as most, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if we can trust the percentages. But I sent this to a friend, and it was a petition, and it was letting the government know that we were not good with the five to 11 year old jab approval. Yes. And he called me back and he said, well, I think we see differently about this. And I was like, okay, probably. He's like, what's the difference between this and any other mandatory vaccination? So let's start there because I think that's where they go. Well, don't they have to have the smallpox and the measles, mumps, rubella? And if you're anti-jab, as in the COVID jab, aren't you then an anti-vaxxer, which is a pejorative term, which it shouldn't be, because as you correctly point out, so many of the women in your community have vaccine-injured children, which for some unknown reason, the pharmaceutical companies aren't liable as of the 80s. I mean, can you explain a little bit about what's going on? Well, they they aren't liable. However, there is a vaccine uh, injury compensation fund that is now paid out billions of dollars. So while they cannot be held personally liable, this fund still proves they are culpable. But when we're talking about this particular vaccine compared to the other vaccines, okay, so what are we trusting here? Brand new mRNA technology, brand new. Okay, so this is technology that's never been used before in a vaccine. And we have no long-term studies. We have very limited short-term studies, if you can call them that, because Pfizer blew their control when they unblinded them and offered them the vaccine. So we have limited short-term studies, hyper-accelerated development time, hyper-accelerated development time. It's so questionable how they actually came up with this thing so fast. Yes. Unless they had already developed it. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole another theory. Yes, um, it is. The global synchronized rollout to 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, we're vaccinating during high viral activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some would speculate or say that this is what leads to mutations. Yes. Mm-hmm. The forced compliance, you know, with compulsion and coercion. Why, we've never seen that with anything before. No. Nope. We've never mm-hmm. seen this with the DTaP vaccine or the flu vaccine or mm-hmm. the, you know, chickenpox vaccine or whatever. The bullying tactics that they've gone to, the bribery, the forcing, the like the lotteries that they were having, the yeah. giving children ice cream for vaccines. I mean, come on, we've never seen this before. And all of this is completely unnecessary if you really want to uh, admit that there are treatments available for COVID, right? We're not allowed to talk (laughs) about ivermectin. No. So there are alternative treatments. So that that means that the vaccine, it's not necessary. And and we have Fauci and the NIH that came out a short time ago and said that the viral load in the nasal pharynx of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated is exactly the same. Now, if this vaccine does not prevent transmission, which we know it doesn't, and if it does not confer immunity, which we know it doesn't, why should I be forced to take something like that? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. And it's contrary to every, it's it's contrary to the American way of life. Right. And now, now we have all of these studies that came out of Israel pointing to the fact that natural immunity, I say natural immunity is superior, but at the very least, the natural immunity is just as powerful as the vaccinated immunity. It's more powerful because it doesn't wane. We don't need to worry about our third and fourth and fifth booster. My family and I had COVID. We came back from New York at the end of February and they shut everything down in March. We were sick when we came back. I didn't know what it was. I just treated my family with, surprise, andrographis and some other herbs and vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, all of these things that we already used during viral activity. And we all got over it. And when we looked back, when they came out and they shut the country down, we knew, okay, this is probably what we had. We just came from New York and Washington, D.C. before that. So we were good to go. We had natural immunity. 
And right away, there were red flags, right? Like, why are they quarantining and masking healthy people? To me, to someone like me, that makes no sense at all. Nothing has made sense since the beginning of this. So back to, you know, them pushing this whole experimental gene therapy. This is a pandemic that's based on numbers that are faulty numbers. And had they not been hyperinflated, we couldn't have ended up where we are in regards to the opportunistic government tyranny and these stranglehold regulations that they're implementing on people. You know, so that the question comes to when we're talking about being able to speak freely about these things, why the heavy censorship? When I have a post pulled from Instagram, they tell me accounts that repeatedly violate policies and share information that discourage vaccines may be deleted. Well, why? You know, but you can't give me a good answer for that. So because my posts discourage vaccination and in general, they don't discourage vaccination. I mean, I'm here to sound a warning. My posts are designed to expose the hypocrisy, you know, to perpetuate the truth, to show what the mainstream media, which is controlled by worldwide government, will not show you. And we may be privy to studies and information that the general public is not. You know, for instance, some of the posts that were removed were regarding the natural immunity and the studies that came out of Israel that were showing, you know, despite their significantly high vaccination rate, the vaccinated persons were making up the largest number of hospitalizations and deaths. And posts that were experts of, you know, the Israeli studies showing natural immunity can provide equal or superior protection, again, they're flagged and immediately removed. You know, and so these are just a few examples of what they're fighting. They don't want people to know this. But had it not been for like Instagram, we would not know what is going on in other places like Australia or Canada, because that is not being shown on mainstream media. You will not see that. No, you won't. And and you, if you want to talk about government tyranny, man, they're in it right now. Oh, they are. I have listeners in Australia and I've spoken to some of them and it's brutal. They can't leave their homes. Right. They can't go more than five kilometers, which is like three miles, I think. It's And I, of course, I'm concerned about many of these women are single and many of these women are lonely and <laughs> this is not helping. Right. And the, many of these women are have 0.00001% chance of having problems with COVID, let's be honest, but we can't be honest. There's been no honesty for the last two years. No. If you're into personal development, if you geek out on psych research, and if you're looking to level up in all realms of love and life, a love and life support group is for you. In love and life groups, you'll enjoy the camaraderie of connecting with like-minded women you'll feel encouraged and empowered by others endeavoring to thrive in all realms of love and life. We all know there's strength in numbers, so join us for deep conversations designed to provide healing and promote growth. Head over to my website for more details. I want to try to try to play devil's advocate here because I, to me, it's such utter nonsense and utter, I can't wrap my mind around how anyone would be okay with mandating. Let's start there, right? That is the part, like you said, if you want to make a choice about your body, go ahead and whatever you think is best for your health. Of course, sadly, people are making ill-informed choices because the numbers have been inflated because the CDC literally changed how you categorize a death in March of 2020 such that someone who comes in, and, the, and I know people literally who have friends that this has happened to or family members, someone comes in, they have pancreatic cancer, they're on hospice, they take a COVID test, mm-hmm. and this person was going to die next week anyway. They call it a COVID death. Right. I mean, the lies upon lies upon lies. The, the phrase, as a social scientist, the phrase trust the science, the minute I started hearing that, yeah. I looked at my husband, I said, well, that's utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. Any scientist worth their salt knows there's no such thing as trusting the science. Any body of scientific inquiry has one lab over here and they're approaching it this way and they publish a paper. And then this lab over here goes, well, we interpret your findings differently. Yes. And then they have rebuttal papers. There's no trusting science. That's an, a contradiction in terms. Right. So for the public to be duped that trust the science and the only science is this jab, to me, it's so... It's looking at the American people as if we're idiots. 
Yeah. And the fact that other people aren't enraged, that the public policy currently is looking at you like you're a fool. Why are people not upset about that? It drives me crazy. The censorship, the fundamental freedom of speech to have some fact checker, whoever the heck that person is, tell Simone Gold or Pierre Corey that what they have to say as a professional in the field for 25 years is not valid science as professionals. Who are you to tell a physician that their approach isn't valid? There is always dispute. Taking a a drug that works in this condition, off-label, looking at it over here, that is common. And for them to be censored is infuriating. Why are people not more angry? Why am I the one screaming over here? Right. And, you know, they love to point out the fact that the First Amendment applies only to government censorship. So social media platforms, they're private entities, and they are free to exercise editorial judgment as they see fit. Well, this is how we communicate in 2021. This is how we communicate. We communicate on social media. It's hard to, when they are so quick to silence a dissenting opinion, you know, when we're talking about medical freedom, we cannot leave out informed consent here. Because without all of the pertinent information, you cannot, you can't have informed consent. Without the vaccine insert, you don't have informed consent. Without understanding the risks and knowing what the potential side effects are, you cannot have informed consent. And they have wiped that off the table. These people are going in and they're offering their arms at a CVS or a Walgreens and they have no idea what they're putting in their body. They have no idea what the potential side effects are. They have no idea what the long-term side effects could be. They, they know nothing. Where right. is the informed consent in that? So they're violating our medical freedom right there because they're not being honest. They're not being forthcoming with the information. We're trusting a system where the pharmaceutical company, oh my goodness, I I can't even get started. The pharmaceutical companies, (laughs) they would never lie, right? Oh no. Right. Mm -mm. So, you know, Pfizer has been reported as paying out one of the largest criminal fines in history. The largest, um, for at least for medical. Right. And, you know, for the life of me, I don't understand why we're not talking more about these pharma crimes. I, I don't understand. They are an industry that profits from playing roulette with our health. They are notorious for paying kickbacks to doctors, making false and misleading statements, false reporting to Medicaid, and, you know, not least of all, being the major contributor in the U.S. Uh, opiate epidemic. And our government alphabet agencies are just as complicit. You know, in fact, the pharmaceutical industry would not be where they are today if it had not been for the concerted, coordinated efforts of the FDA and the CDC with them and the NIH, the WHO, all of them. They're all complicit. The bottom line here is the money. I mean, I stopped keeping track, but at like June, they were reporting, you know, $36 billion already from the shots. $36 billion. I mean, if you want to talk about a cash cow, they're not going to let go of this thing. And it gets as ridiculous as blaming this nonsense in the ports in California on unvaccinated people. That's not even two and two equals five. I don't even know where they're coming up with this. My husband owns a logistics company. I can promise you there are trucks there. They're waiting. I mean, the holdup is not to, it has nothing to do with truck drivers, but you have a U.S. Deputy Secretary of Treasury. They interviewed him and he said, once everyone is vaccinated, this problem will go away. That is literally what he said. So they're making decisions and policy and choices and they're implementing these regulations and restrictions and nothing, none of them have anything to do with COVID or the vaccine, but they're going to make it have to do with the vaccine. I'm still baffled how it became so politicized because growing up, it was your liberal hippies who were all into wheat germ and wheatgrass shots and granola, right? They were the ones on the political side of things. They would be more on the left. Mm. 
And yet they're the ones who are lockstep right now. The left is, it's such a weird, I'm like, how did this become a political thing? I don't even understand it. And if you want to go hardcore party line type thing, Trump rolled it out. And I remember Harris and Biden both said at one point they wouldn't take a Trump jab. I've asked many people, how did this become a political thing? And I still don't understand it. Well, I mean, you just do a little digging into campaign finance. We have Republicans and Democrats across the board who have had their pockets lined with money from pharmaceutical companies. It all goes back to money. It has Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. What do men with money and power want? They want more money and power. Right. And they're not satisfied. They're never satisfied. And I just think that there's this whole nefarious thing going on that we don't even see. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just in America. It's worldwide. It's worldwide. You know, one of the very first things that were closed were churches. Mm-hmm. People need people need church. They need to be fed spiritually. And I'm sorry, but just, just, you know, doing your services online or whatever, it's not the same. It's not the same. People need human interaction. Mm-hmm. They need the fellowship. It's not the same. So much for us. They, they tried to change so much. Some of us bristled up against that. A lot of people, it's kind of like the frog in the pot right? Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. allowed that water to just be turned up gradually on them and they stayed in the pot. And now I I believe that people are waking up slowly. I mean, these people who went and got their first and second vaccines and they think, okay, I'm all good. I'm going to get my freedoms back. Oh, but wait, there's more. They're mad. They know that their their antibodies or whatever, you know, because that's a whole nother story, uh, are waning, and right. now they need a third booster and a fourth. And for, you know, we have this kind of joke online, right? They'll never be fully vaccinated. That's the <laughs> truth. No, that is the truth. So, uh, how did we get here? Yeah, this is this is the the thirty six billion dollar question. And to that point, as a professional in the field, so. I have gone several times to protest at a hospital. I'm not in healthcare per se, right? but they were mandating like so many of these doctors and nurses were going to lose their jobs after being frontline. And in the first couple months when we had no idea how deadly this thing was, and they were there in hazmat suits, taking care of COVID patients, right. risking their lives at that point. We didn't know. Maybe they were risking exactly. their lives. And, and now they're fired. Yeah. So I've protested on their behalf. And I've tried to talk to some of them. This was out in the suburbs of Chicago. So I was talking to some of the ones. Some people came also from other hospitals in the area just to support. And one woman worked in Chicago. And I said, what is going on with, like, how are doctors just rolling over mm-hmm. when they have a sense? I mean, it's not just Simone Gold and Pierre Corey, like we mm-hmm. talked about. There's, There's got to be many doctors who had a sense that HCQ and ivermectin could work. These, I mean, ivermectin's been around for 40 years. It won the Nobel Prize in 2015. And then the FDA paints it as a horse paste. And mm-hmm. what do you, you're not a horse. What do you do? I mean, it's the level of lies. I don't even want to say propaganda. It's just outright mm-hmm. lies to dupe people. But again, I kind of, as we spoke to earlier, I still want to believe that most doctors even those who've been indoctrinated in Western approaches still care about a patient. Why would they let, and I don't, is this the administration that was getting funding from the government? And then, because I, I read Simone Gold's book and she says that she had the, her first 11 patients with COVID back in March of 2020. She used ivermectin, I believe, and they were they walked away fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she got called by her administrator, mm-hmm. and she was all assuming that she'd get a pat on the back for finding a, a great way to treat this very new, novel, scary thing. And he said, you absolutely need to stop that. Like, did every doctor hear that from their administrative board? And they just said, okay, once again, Where's the Hippocratic Oath? Are doctors okay with the fact that most of these COVID patients should not have died if they had been treated right away and not sent home? Come back when you can't breathe and then we'll throw you on remdesivir and a ventilator, which will definitely kill you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll shut your kidneys down and you'll end up with pneumonia and we'll put you on a ventilator and sedate you and that's the end for you. 
That is a very good question. I'd like to know that myself. I'd like to know from these doctors. What are your thoughts? How did you feel? What are you going to do when the screws are put to you? And so we know a lot of these doctors, they're, they're, when their license is in jeopardy over this vaccine, mm-hmm. you know, some of them will take it. Some of them will walk away. Some of them we know are not comfortable with forcing this on their patients. There, there are a lot of doctors like that, but they, they are being silenced just as we are. So they can't get their stories out. I watched a video. I, I can't I can't remember what the woman's name was, but she had a blog and she told the story about her father who got sick and ended up hospitalized and he had a prescription of ivermectin that had been given by his family doctor, but they ended up in a court battle over the hospital doctors not administering the ivermectin and eventually they gave him remdesivir and they put him on a ventilator and he died. Mm-hmm. They literally had a court order. A judge, uh, you know, said for this hospital to give him the medication, and they did not do it. And the doctor was kind of put in the middle of all of this. And when it came down to it, he obeyed the board. Where are the doctors that right. are going to obey their conscience instead? They're out there. Do you not feel that this is a little orchestrated? I mean. Most of these doctors have been forced into practices with these big governing hospital boards, right? Like the pediatrician that my children used to have, who was amazing. I mean, he was old school. When I had my daughter, I had a C-section and I was at home on a weekend and I was sick and she got sick and he made a home visit. Wow. And it was, he was amazing. And he retired in 2020. We knew the retirement was coming. And, and my children haven't been to the doctor, a different doctor for years, but I had friends who I had referred to Dr. Barnes and he was amazing. And we heard that you're retired. And I believe it, it was because of everything going on. But I remember when he was forced out of private practice into a group, mm-hmm. uh, a group of doctors with the Lutheran Hospital. And I remember then when that happened, that he talked about retiring. Just because I I feel like he knew he was not going to be able to practice any longer the way he chose to practice. Mm-hmm. Now he is beholden to someone else and he has to practice the way they tell him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's sad. I do believe, as you said, these doctors start out with the intention of, I want to help people. I want to be a healer. I want to make a difference. And then by the time they've been through eight years of schooling and their internships and all of this, I don't know if it's indoctrination or brainwashing or, you know, what what forces them into that little box that they can't think outside of or act outside of. But many of them, their hands are tied. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast, and I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May. Tim at loveandlifemedia.com. And to someone who's listening and they're thinking, Karen, 
the hospitals were at capacity and they have this notion that this, that people like you and I were minimizing the severity of this virus. We, we're the ones who made it all political, right? And we get into our don't tread on me mentality and we're being the jerks, right? We're, we're being the selfish ones because we won't just take one for the team and, and kick this thing. And as you spoke to earlier, I mean, the last four months, every single person I've heard who's gotten COVID is double vaccinated. Right. So I've been uninvited to parties because yeah. I'm not. And, and I, one time I uninvited myself essentially because I had the sense that if someone came down, everyone else was vaxxed. Hmm. But if someone came down with it, it I was going to get blamed. Fault. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm, no, no, no. Because I am quite sure that all you people who got jabbed, your immune system is quite compromised. Absolutely. Mine, I've not had the Rona, but I live a very healthy life and I am right. very healthy. There's no way you could pay me. Just because you haven't come down with symptoms doesn't mean that you haven't been exposed Right, probably. And don't have antibodies to it. I'm sure I do. I am not insensitive to the subject of COVID. Yeah. I have family members that have had COVID. We treated them and they got over the COVID, but they ended up dehydrated and in the hospital and, you know, all of these things. I have an uncle who lived lived in Arizona and he had a stroke. He went into the hospital and he was already on life support and he caught COVID two weeks after being admitted to the hospital and he died from mm -hmm. COVID pneumonia. Now, I'm not insensitive to it. In fact, we've been running around putting out COVID fires for over a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I take it very seriously. I believe that early treatment, however you decide to treat it, is key. I do not believe that the government has a right to come in and tell you whether or not you can take ivermectin for COVID. It works. I don't believe they have a right to do that. And because we've ran into so many issues with this, we've sought out herbs and other things that are just as effective, and this is the path that we take. Now, I feel like we are not the ones that politicize the COVID. Listen, science is there to be questioned. Yes. It always. absolutely is. The science is never settled. Yes. And if you watched the CDC and the NIH and their spokespeople, Fauci, from the beginning, the amount of times they flip-flopped on this thing, that should alone give you this healthy sense of, I need to question everything that's being said. And not just, they said it, I believe it. You know, with the whole mask thing, when he came out at the very, very beginning and said that these masks are not going to do anything for you. Well, whether he meant to or not, he was being honest about that. He was being truth, truthful about that, right? Aerosolized particles, these masks, these cloth masks are probably not going to help you too much. Look, if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, by all means, wear a mask. But do not tell me that I have to wear a mask that my oxygen needs to be impeded right. for you yeah. to be comfortable. If you're that uncomfortable, stay home. And that's how it should have been from the beginning. Yep. So many things about this just didn't make sense. I don't know if you remember in 2009 and 2010, H1N1. Mm -hmm. Some people in my family got very sick from it. And they ended up in the hospital. You know, they may have shut a few schools down or something like that, but they didn't shut the whole country down. And I do believe that herd immunity eventually was reached. Right. Did people get sick? Yes. Did people even die? Yes. But if we compare that to COVID, knowing that they lied about the numbers, mm -hmm. I feel like we're dealing with something that's very uh, similar. I also feel like they have worsened the situation by vaccinating during high viral activity. Yes. And they've driven the mutations. And when it comes right down to it, we know that the gain of function happened with this virus in the lab in the first place. Who's to say that this is the, you know, we knew that the gain of function testing even continued after the outbreak. Mm -hmm. So there are so many facets to this that we don't have answers for that they're, we know they're not being honest with us. I'm not insensitive to the subject of COVID. I, many of my patients have had COVID. 
We've been able to help them through it. I take it very seriously. But again, I'm not going to allow my government to use this as something that they're, they're not able to create that same sense of fear inside of me that they have been able to do everyone else. And they've been able to do that because of the censorship. Right. As you spoke to, because they have to have this level of fear because with fear, then people roll over and go, okay, just help me, help me, help me. Instead of recognizing that it wouldn't come to that. You wouldn't have these hospitalizations if they'd been able to treat this early on. Right. And have doctors like Simone Gold be told, stop doing this very effective treatment. I mean, it's the lunacy of it is beyond anything I've experienced as an American again. I mean, this is the kind of thing as a child in the 80s growing up, this is what you would see at the USSR. I mean, this this is what would happen. There'd be censorship. People couldn't. Truth was always being snuffed out. It was being hidden. And to your point about rolling out this jab in the middle of the heightened levels of the virus that we're seeing, Dr. Robert Merlone, who created the mRNA gene therapy. Probably no one who's listening even knows this. Mm-hmm. I only know it because I listened to Dr. Peter McCullough's yeah. and Dr. Uh, Joseph Mercola's podcasts. Right. And so the, Dr. Robert Malone, who created this mRNA gene therapy, said it was never meant to be used in this way, ever. Because what's happening is the virus is like any living organism. It wants to survive, not mm-hmm. wants to. It's not, obviously it's not conscious, but it's going to adjust. And so when we see all these variants, it's because we've tried, we've had an insufficient ability to snuff it out. And because it's been insufficient, it's only emboldened the virus to pivot and come up with a new variant, which once again, the people who had whatever that jab, initial jab was, the whether it was whichever version of it, it only addressed one portion of the spike protein to my understanding. I'm getting a little bit out of my field here. But that robust immunity that comes from natural immunity or from just a regular, whether you got COVID or not, just having a strong immune system is much more powerful. Right. So this is key here for people to understand what exactly is going on with this vaccine. What they did was they took and they made this spike protein antigen, which is one protein out of like 26 or 29 that the SARS-2 virus is made up of. So the primary endpoint to the whole vaccine was mild symptom reduction. It was never to eliminate the transmission. And this is, we're running into problems because of this um, with the mutations. Um, you know, and, and also, there, we're running into other issues, antibody-dependent enhancement and pathogenic priming and all of that. Yes. You know, I wish more people would listen to Robert Malone and, you know, but he's been, he's been demonized, right? Mm-hmm. Silenced. Mm-hmm. Of course, any, anybody with any merit of truth is canceled right away. But, you know, Dr. Byron Brittle came out of Canada and was really trying to sound an alarm and saying, look, we have found that this spike protein antigen is not staying local to the injection site like we thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. And it is actually traveling around the body and crossing the blood-brain barrier and accumulating in the spleen and ovaries and bone marrow and causing all sorts of problems. And he was censured for that. So, you know, I guess we we never even got on the topic of what exactly is this thing doing inside of your body once you take it, you know, more like the mRNA technology, its design is for your body to, you know, make these antibodies. And the concern is, I believe it was Dr. Sherry Tenpenny that said, you know, it's like an on switch, but there is no off switch for it. And so, and again, you know, if we had long-term studies, we, we might be able to say uh, a little better, but if they continue to push this vaccine while people are sick with the virus, we will have more variants and more variants and more variants. Well, and then there'll be more boosters and more boosters and more boosters. And right. isn't that convenient? If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family.
How can one not get cynical, Diana? How can we not get cynical? I, I, I don't know an, an, any other way. When you suppress another voice that has every ounce of legitimacy to be heard, you cause people like me to go, well, then what's going on for real? Because exactly. you, if you're not scared of a voice that's wrong, you're scared of a voice that's true, that's going to fly in the face of your agenda. And when you talked about the symptom reduction, then that's why it bothers me. And I have friends who have no idea that the CDC changed the, the term vaccine right. conveniently so that it wouldn't be the typical inoculation where you have an inert portion of the virus or whatever kind of disease it is. And then your body learns to fight it off in this very safe manner because it's inert. And then your body has the ability to fight it off should it encounter it in the live version. Well, this is not that at all. It's an entirely different technology, but they called it a vaccine. That's convenient. The fact that they have mild symptom reduction, now who's the super spreader? It's all the people who are jabbed yes. who don't know that they have. Like, I, if I can encounter it, I'll know. I mean, I guess because I have a good immune system, maybe I wouldn't know as much as someone who had a weaker immune system. But they certainly won't know because they have now artificially suppressed what, again, the, going back to the theme of this podcast, the body's trying to tell you something, you've suppressed it. Why are you doing that? Your body's trying to send you a message and now you're running around. You're the one who's going to infect the person who's more vulnerable, not me. Right. We're just in this this vicious cycle here. Yeah. You know, and- So disheartening. I feel like this whole thing has driven me- to really help people just get healthier because right. this is the way you're going to be able to fight this thing and to get free from this whole Western medicine pill for every ill way mm -hmm. in the pharmaceutical industry that's keeping people sick. And in fact, I'm, I'm working on my own podcast. Wonderful. Which is called Farm Free, which is P-H-A-R-M free. Right. And this will cover every aspect of holistic life so that people can free themselves from the need of pharmaceuticals and just take control of their own health. A lot of people don't even know how to do that. They don't know right. how to take control of their own health. When I make like a post on uh, Instagram or Facebook or something like that, speaking to ways that you can boost your natural immunity, people mm -hmm. love that because they don't know. No. They don't know. They don't know that the foods that they're eating are keeping them sick. They don't know mm. that there are foods that they can eat that can help boost immunity or that herbs, you know, there are herbs that grow in your backyard that can help you or certain vitamin deficiencies will hinder you if, if you become, you know, if you come down with a virus or, or so on and so forth. So it's very empowering for people to take control of their own health. They feel this sense of empowerment because they know that this looming threat of this fear of, what happens if I get sick and I go to my doctor and they won't treat me because I haven't been vaccinated? Yeah. A lot of people yeah. have this fear and it's not unfounded. I mean, we have stories that the mainstream media came out with, you know, about people who were denied transplants because they weren't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And then in California and in Florida, we had doctors independently refuse to see patients because they weren't vaccinated. Well, this is going to happen more and more. So what mm -hmm. are you going to do about it? Right. You, you have to get free from the dependency on that medical system. Yep. If, if you could take control of your own health and you're able to treat things like a virus on your own, because people can do that, then you don't have a need. And I just put up a post this morning and my own cousin came on and said, hey, I went to the doctor this morning and she literally yelled at me because I haven't been vaccinated and told me I was contributing to the pandemic. And I'm thinking, wow, bullying, coercion. I yeah. mean, where is it going to stop? I, I would love to be able to just spend more time speaking to people, trying to uh, get people to take their health into their own hands. Well, I've heard some of those stories and I was hoping that they were not true, but down deep, I sense they probably were. And that is something that I've thought about, I think. What's going to happen if I go? My mom went to get a, a just a regular routine checkup and things, and she's 85 and she's not getting the jab and has no interest. And she's very fit and healthy and walks an hour a day on our treadmill. And she's not obese and she doesn't have type 2 diabetes. And she lived with my dad all those years. And she right. is also has this philosophy. And I almost wanted to go with her because I was afraid she'd get bullied. Yeah. 
but her nurse practitioner did not bully. Of course they asked, but it wasn't, there wasn't any follow-up question after that, but I was worried. Right. You know, I would like to put the question out there to people who have been vaccinated because so many people have been vaccinated and we're missing this critical piece of the the follow-up after people have been vaccinated, right? If someone goes into a Walgreens or a CVS and they get the shot, and by habit, I'm just calling it a vaccine. I don't believe it is a vaccine, mm-hmm. um, but they get the shot. Who follows up with them in seven days or three months or six months or nine months or 12 months to see if they're having any adverse reactions or what the long-term effects are for them. Right. 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 I mean, these vaccine trials, and by the way, that's where we still are. They have suffered not only from lacking a proper primary clinical endpoint, but also they're severely lacking in the follow-up of adverse events. Mm -hmm. These trials, they in no way, they're accounting for the well-established toxicity data, epidemiological data indicating that vaccines are undoubtedly associated with chronic immune-mediated disorders many that may not develop for years after immunization. Right. If you've already had COVID, several papers show okay, that you have a significantly higher chance of experiencing an adverse reaction to the vaccine because you already have natural antibodies. And I think the reason for this is probably because the cytotoxic T cells, they're now attacking your cells. They're synthesizing and displaying the spike protein you're seeing mass incidence of ADE, which is the antibody-dependent enhancement and pathogenic priming. Natural immunity is so much more impervious to antigenic changes in one protein because natural immunity, it's the entirety of the T-cell and B-cell responses to a complete virus. Mm -hmm. But we can't put this information out there. It gets taken down right away. So we're kind of in a debacle here. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking to me that we are living in a time where the censorship, like I said, it, it, the only frame of reference I had for this type of censorship was that faraway land of the USSR back during exactly. the Cold War when I was a child. And it's just... Or China. Yeah, right. And Ch- exactly. And so even now, when something comes on media about the censorship in China, I'm like, well, what's the difference? We're completely censored here. Absolutely. I, I, I don't believe I live in a free country right now. I no. hope like, we get back to that. I would. I pray to God every night we do. I pray for truth and freedom terrain and we can be this beacon that we thought we were. I think we kind of were. Maybe we were always more captured than I realized. But as we close, share about your podcast, which is very exciting and also where people can. I I know you get shadow banned, so I don't even know how accessible (laughs) you are to people, but how can people find out more information from you and learn the truth that you are trying your best to share either on Facebook or Instagram? I know you have a couple accounts just in case you get banned in one or shut down, deplatformed. Yeah. Let them know. On Instagram, you can find me, Dr. Diana Lipford. And of course that account is very shadow banned. I don't know why. I mean, Literally, I'm just a little country doctor with about 5,000 people that follow along. Most of them are moms. Mm -hmm. They're concerned about their children. But I do have a website. It's silvertreehw.org. You can email me at info at silvertreehw.org. And this podcast that we're developing is just in the beginning stages. Hopefully, it will be up and running by the end of the year. That's the goal. I'm still trying to find time in my schedule to just dedicate to it. I'm very excited about it. I just have this, you know, I have a passion for wanting to share what I've learned and what I know. And I believe that my knowledge has come to me through God, seriously. I don't Mm -hmm. believe in coincidences. And the way I ended up on my own path to natural healing was not a coincidence. But I have a big desire to just try and help people. The podcast will be called Farm Free, and that is P-H-A-R-M Free. And I'm really excited to just see how people respond to being able to make their own health decisions, their own wellness decisions, things that they can do at home, things that they they do not need to go to a doctor to do, changes that they can start making right now to become free from the need of pharmaceuticals. I love it. It's so empowering as we've spoken to throughout this episode. I 
I'm just so excited for you and I'm so glad we've connected and thank you so much for sharing with my community. And when your podcast launches, let me know and I will certainly promote it and hope to begin to get a bit of a a listenership for you. So thank you so much, Diana. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you asking me to be on here. That's a topic I've been wanting to address for a while. And when we connected, I thought, okay, now I know who I'm going to invite on the program. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thanks again. The love and life hack for this week is, I'll borrow Dr. Lipford's new podcast's title, Farm Free is Possible. Thank you as always for listening and for being a part of the love and life family. For more resources and your free empowered dating playbook, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. And one more quote today from Henry David Thoreau. Think for yourself or others will think for you without thinking of you. Until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.